자! 
Franz Ferdinand. And who is Franz Ferdinand individually? Can you please introduce them? Sure. Uh, my name is Alex. And Alex, who do you have beside you? Uh, this is this is Nick McCarthy. And with the hat Hello. is uh, Robert Hardy. Hello. And uh, with the the tattoos and the drums is uh, Mr. Paul Thompson. Hello. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Franz Ferdinand. Thank you. So, Alex, is your nickname Airwolf? <laughs> Am I Airwolf? Am I Airwolf? Um, uh, in some quarters it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did Alex get the nickname Airwolf? Uh, Bob? I think it's through some sort of the Cribs that, uh, band from the Yorkshire. Do you really want to hear the story? It's a very long story. Uh, sure! <laughs> okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a friend of ours... Um, in Glasgow, who uh, grew up in South Africa, and uh, there was one day he was sitting with two other friends of ours, and they were all really, really stoned. And the two other friends were talking about Airwolf, the TV show, and uh, talked about Fridge, and he was staying really silent, not really saying anything about it. And then they changed the conversation about 15 minutes later, they were talking about something completely different, and he just kind of lifted his head up and went, Am I Airwolf? And, you know, it's one of those sort of stone moments. Anyway, the Cribs... He, he thought they were talking in code and referring to him as, as Airwolf. So obviously, he'd never seen the TV programme because he's, his radar was in South Africa. But, yeah, they weren't, though. But, yeah. Anyway, so I, I told the Cribs this story when, uh, uh, before we started recording when we were... Um, in Vancouver? Uh, yeah, when we were recording in Vancouver. And they, they liked the story, and so they called me Airwolf instead. Speaking of being out of it, Alex, and the Cribs, were you the drunkest ever you've ever been in Vancouver after Mint Records Christmas party in 2006? Uh, I, I, I was definitely very drunk on several occasions when I was in Vancouver, yeah. I heard it was the drunkest you've ever been. What's the drunkest you've seen, Alex? Um, I don't know, there's so many times, but uh, <laughs> we've seen each other drunk quite a lot. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't Vancouver then? It, it could have been one in many places. I can't really remember myself. You know? I, heard, I heard he was dancing around on stage and stuff as well, yeah. Yes, and that's why he was the drunkest he'd ever been. Uh, we had to feed him lots of beer. Yeah. And afterwards you went out partying. It was quite a wild night, wasn't it? So I, I still remember. Was it the same night when he insisted on coming up on stage and seeing Take Me Out with you? <laughs> yes, indeed, at the Mint Records Christmas party. But it didn't end there. You were taken out by some individuals, and they took you partying. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was a it was a pretty wild night. Now, speaking of the connections between drunkenness, Russell Crowe and Franz Ferdinand, what are they? What's the connection between Russell Crowe and Franz Ferdinand and being drunk? Um. Yeah. So we gladiator? Stomper. No, hope not. <laughs> I have no idea. Russell Crowe. I, I, he also does music, doesn't he, Russell Crowe? Does he? I don't know that. Right, right. Does he? Right, and you, Franz Ferdinand, you do music too, right? <laughs> that's yeah, the that's, right. that's the amazing. <laughs> no, and you like to drink. You guys like to drink, right? Yeah. And both of you have been mixed by... Mike Frazier. Is yes. that right? Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, he mixed Russell Crowe. Oh, I didn't know that. Who is Mike Frazier? He's from... Van... Coo... 
for Vancouver, BC, Canada. So it's Russell Crowe, drunkenness, Franz Ferdinand, and Mike Fraser all together. What can you tell the people about that, Mike Fraser? There's two things I love to talk to Russell Crowe about when I finally get to meet him: drinking and uh, Mike Fraser. Who is Mike Fraser? He's from Vancouver and he mixed your stuff. Yeah, that's right. Um, Mike Fraser is a, he's an engineer and a mix engineer. And uh, when I was over here. Uh, at the warehouse studio, he was upstairs, and I met him, and we got on, and uh, yeah, he mixed a few of the songs for us. And he has like skulls in his studio, apparently. He has several skulls, yeah, yeah, and lots of skulls on flags, all, and all the same shape, but a lot of different sizes. Yeah, yeah, lots, lots of skulls everywhere. I mean, he's a bit of a metaler as well. He, he mixed that last AC/DC record, and uh, you know, he, ponytail. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a, what do you call it? a pleat? Yeah, very, 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 very long, very long hair. Um, what else did he do? Uh, Aerosmith and Motley Crue and all these kind of guys back in the day. And Franz Ferdinand now. Absolutely, yeah. How did the mix turn out, Bob? Were you happy with it? That's great, yeah. You and Russell Crowe approve of it? Uh, yeah, Crowe was into it almost as much as we were. <laughs> so, Bob, the last time you were in Vancouver, is it true the first boob flash happened in Vancouver? <laughs> I don't think so. No, well, maybe a boob flash, but it wasn't the first. It was the first boob flash when you guys played at Pacific Coliseum with Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, I think I've seen Andy got a boob flash. Oh. Really? Right, right, right. The fifth member of Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, I, I, I vaguely sounds familiar. I can't really remember. So many, Maybe, so many boobs. It's just they all blur into one. It wasn't Vancouver. I was hoping it was Vancouver. All <laughs> yeah. blurring it too. What's the last boob then? By the way, last boob. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't in Vancouver. I saw one at uh, uh, Tina Park. Somebody flashed us. Oh, it's, I don't think it was me specifically. They were flashing, but. Yeah, but people do that at festivals in Scotland, so they get in their papers. So it's just photographers take pictures of it and then go, look at this young, lovely, flashing her bits. And, <laughs> and, every, and then people go to work in the morning and go, ooh, I'd like to kiss her. <laughs> Franz Ferdinand, here you are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and you've spent quite a bit of time here, haven't you, Alex? I have, yeah. yeah. What is the name of that place in London that sells Canadian clothes? I was trying to remember the name of it. The Cribs are telling me about the place in London that sells Canadian used clothes. What is it? Can you explain about that? Yeah, it's called Beyond Retro and uh, I guess the guys that work there, they come over here and get all the really cool sort of vintage and second-hand clothes and take them and sell them to East End London hipsters for ridiculously large amounts of money. And it's Canadian stuff. Have you been there? It's all your, it looks like all your old outfits. Baboom! Baboom! <laughs> You guys like coming over to Canada and raiding Schwartz's. I saw a picture of you guys at Schwartz's. Yeah. I've never been to Schwartz's. Schwartz's, yeah. Schwartz's in Montreal. Yeah, it's tasty stuff, yeah. Right, I'd put oh, it for lunch today, though, for the, for the first time while I've been here, so that's... That's, that's good, but do you, do you like the meat? Do you like the Schwartz's? <laughs> yeah, I like the meat. Yeah, it's got they've got a lot in the in the in the front window as well, haven't they? Which looks a bit like a bit disgusting, really. Is like but a, is it like an old bookstore where it sort of turns the stuff turns yellow? <laughs> Well, I like it's, it's, it's cool, it's cool. It reminds me a bit, in fact, the East, East End of London can actually, it's a bit like the, the bagel shops in Brick Lane in London. Same sort of vibe. I love that you guys love meat, and you also love fish and chips too, Alex, don't you? I, I do, yeah. Like when you were recording with the Cribs, it was everybody eating fish and chips. Here in British Columbia? Yeah, you weren't here. No. I left you out. Yeah. But I loved it. It was like everybody eating fish and chips. Like, not just the band, the crew, everybody. Usually in a band or a group of people, there's some people that don't want the fish and chips. So it was like it was like ten orders of fish and chips. You were all eating. I love that. Is that something English? Is that something Scottish? Is that unique? Um, I think we're all pretty much fans of fish uh, and chips. How do you know this fact? 
Because I saw it happening. There. I just couldn't believe it. I walk in and everybody's eating fish and chips. Because when I've been with groups of people, it's like, what do you want? I don't want fish. You know, like they get yeah. 10 people eating all fish and chips from the Irish Heather. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty unifying prospect of fish and chips. Oh, I, yeah, I'll have that. Is that Friday? Because fish and chip, Friday's fish and chip day, I think. I think it might have been a Sunday he were having it. Yeah, we, we, we'd kind of extended Friday at Sunday, you see, Bob, it was cool. So, Franz Ferdinand, here you are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You did some recording at the Warehouse Studio in Vancouver, but you did not record your new album in Vancouver, did you? <laughs> no, sorry. Where did you record? Where did you record it? Because I saw some photos and it looked amazing, like this old hall. What was that old hall? It, it used to be like a town hall in Glasgow, and then it was empty for a long time. It was a dr- drug rehabilitation centre for a bit, then it was empty again. And you found it, didn't you? Yeah, um, uh, we, we knew this guy, uh, the, the, this director from a film. Um, we did the music for it, and he said we should come by and have a look at it. And... Uh, it's yeah, it's beautiful. Can you do gigs there? Yeah, we could do. Yeah, own it? No. <laughs> no it, it's cool. Like, like the rent that we pay on that place a month is what you'd pay for half a day of a studio in London. Wait a second, that's where you guys get to hang out in that huge old theatre. Yeah, I mean it's a really wicked place as well. Like it's it's a wee bit decrepit, but it's got a fantastic atmosphere. It feels kind of haunted. It's cool. What was that mic technique that Alex did? There was some sort of like <laughs> mic technique. What was that? Could you identify that, all, Bob? Is it the where the microphone was swinging. Yeah, what is that? It was a microphone hanging from the ceiling. Um, it's him that climbed up. Uh, Nick climbed yeah, climbed up to the, yeah, and uh, hung the microphone down from the from the. What was it? How high is it about? Tw- about forty foot, about forty feet high. So he he, he climbed up to the rafters. I'm sorry, I'm carrying. No, 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 go. We lost it around that pipe. Yeah, yeah. But we could we could show it with this microphone here, like it was just kind of doing that sort of thing, like swinging. But if you can imagine it swinging from forty feet above. Sorry, yeah. that's not going to work, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was running. So <laughs> I, I'm missing the principle of a microphone here, right? Yeah. Actually, yeah. speaking of that, could you hear what you were saying? What song is it on? What song can we listen for? It's on uh, the song What She Came For. And uh, what we're trying to get is a Doppler effect, kind of like a, a Leslie speaker. You know, like how we borrowed your Leslie speaker for the cribs. I never got paid for that, by the way. <laughs> I'll, I'll speak to the Germans about that later. No, 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 no. Never got a copy to Cynthia Plantercaster DVD back either. Oh, did you know? Right. Okay. I'll speak to the Germans about that, yeah. Um, but like it's the same principle, like like the sound wobbling about, and uh, you know, the, like the sound of an ambulance passing by. You hear, you hear it sort of change in tone, and so like as the microphone swings over the the guitar amp, you hear this kind of vroom sort of sound. How hard was it to get a place in Scotland to rehearse? Because I see that new band Glass. They. Glass. <laughs> Glass Vegas. They're having to record in Transylvania. Are they? Bloody hell. That's what it said in an interview. That was for a Christmas album, I think, because it's very Christmassy there, apparently. That's where Santa lives, isn't it? (laughs) Is it it hard to record in Scotland? Is it hard to find a place? Was it hard to, like it said, a film friend of yours found a whole theatre? Like, that's pretty cool. Uh, I don't think it's hard. I think it's, I mean, maybe there's not many big studios in in Scotland anymore, but I don't know. We we just kind of set up our own place, kind of set up our own gear. How did you hear the specials master tapes? Ah, the band is special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if we should say because uh, nobody's supposed to have them. Yeah, um, a friend of a friend of a friend had them, and we we heard them, and they sound amazing as well. Like because uh, we heard um, the masters of Ghost Town. And the way it's recorded is fantastic. It's taken from a really long session, again about 15 minutes long, and the actual song itself is from this portion in the middle of it. it sounds really cool. Has it ever come out in bootleg or anything? No, no, it hasn't. It's the actual master tape. Yeah, yeah, it was the master tapes, and like we had it up on the desk, and we were doing like dub versions of it. It was really cool. It's amazing that none of that has ever been released. Yeah, hasn't it? I know. 
It, it kind of showed, like, it, it sounds fantastic. They were an amazing band, you know, like, it's, it's really nice as well hearing because they're, they're obviously playing live in the studio together and, like, you can hear Jerry Dammers, like, shouting orders at the bands and telling them where to change and stuff. It's what would you hear on the Franz Ferdinand master tapes? <laughs> we hear, like, lower to Mike, lower to Mike, ah! <laughs> Was there some craziness on the master tapes there? Like, lower it! Uh, I don't know, what would you hear? Um, no, I'm not going to say it. Maybe. <laughs> no, 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 no. Franz Ferdinand, Ulysses. You have a song called Ulysses. Aye, aye, aye. And Ulysses was a god. Uh, no, he wasn't. He wasn't, he wasn't really a god. He was just a Greek. But still a god. I think of God when I think of Ulysses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking of gods, and I still have not got over this fact. Lou Reed and David Bowie backstage at one of your gigs at Roseland. Yeah, that was pretty crazy, wasn't it? It happened four years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm still trying to think, has anything ever topped that? Lou Reed and David Bowie backstage. Um, no. <laughs> I know it hasn't. It's, and what happened during that conversation? It's like the meeting of the Beatles and Elvis. Nobody knows what happened, even though it was recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. In fact, it was recorded, wasn't it? BBC was recording it. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I'm oh, trying to... Right. Yeah, yeah. They were there. They weren't in the room when we had the conversation, though. No, there were cameras walking down and it was also the guy from Anthony the Johnson's was there too right Anthony was there but they didn't they didn't record any speech but he sneakily filmed it all it was on a documentary when they told us the meaning of life the the, the tape was off unfortunately but we know because I was just trying to think what else could it be Jagger Grit shirts you know Elton John or something like that well uh, yeah I don't know who would top that no. Franz Ferdinand warped records you have some warped records on your website Oh yeah. oh yeah, that's a very warped record. Yeah. What is that record? I don't know. We covered it with a label. It's your record. It's, it's, it's it was. Uh, it was. A, um, no, it was a cop. Maybe you could explain what's happening. Right. Yeah. Um, you go to the website. And, and you can you can play our songs as if they're like records, and I go in the record player and and put them down. And one of them is warped. I'm still thinking about which record it was. <laughs> how did it get warped, though? I was wondering, did you warp it on purpose? Uh, no, 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 no. But how do you de-warp uh, records? You're supposed to put it in the oven at a low temperature and then put something flat, like oh, really? put loads more records yeah. on top of it. Yeah, yeah. But if you overdo it, you kind of melt the grooves. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Just slightly warm it. That guy, Soren, who took your cover photo, he's quite an interesting character, isn't he? Yeah, he's great. Yeah, you know him. How does he work? No, I've just seen his photos. How does he work? Is there anything special he does to capture you the way he did or all these other people? I, I mean, th that photograph, it wasn't something that was really instant. Like, I, I guess kind of the opposite of most band shots, which are, you know, like, four guys and they go, just looking really, really bored and kind of, we wanted it to be all action. We were kind of moving all the time and... You know, he he was cool, and and he's he's up for it as well. Like he's, in fact, he he almost we saw we shot some photographs in a supermarket in in Glasgow called Lidl, and uh, he uh, he almost got his camera confiscated by the remember the manager of the supermarket wasn't very happy with him, uh, so he he had to swallow his memory card. And so he doesn't work like Rick Rubin at all, then, where he just lies on the couch and like, oh okay, like there actually is some interestingness associated with it. So send somebody else out with a camera, and then he sees the photographs back and goes, I. There's all his work from Copenhagen for his cell phone. <laughs> oh, Franz Ferdinand, and specifically Nick of the band Franz Ferdinand, what can you tell the people about Rat Boy? Who is this? Box? Box Kodak? Indeed, yes. This is, uh, well, Rat Boy is, is, is uh, actually another guy that we've written about as well. Who is Rat Boy? And what can you tell the people about Box Kodak? This is your side project. No, this is your main project, isn't it? <laughs> this is my main bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, um, uh, uh, the singer, this one here, um, Ragnew, he's from um, uh, Germany, 
from Bavaria, uh, but he, he lives in uh, uh, Lake Constance and uh, he writes great lyrics. Uh. And you have the song Rat Boy. Rat Boy is about uh, a person called um, Robert Anderson. And, uh, is this too much detail? What? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Why? I don't know. No, it's cool. Well, I was thinking about Rat Boy and I was thinking about food. And what can you tell the people about this thing that you sent me? I've always wondered, what is this? Is this related to Rat Boy? What is this, Nick? I got it. That's... I still got it. What, is, what can you tell the people about this? What is this? It's related to Rat Boy. This is, uh, I found this in, um, in Japan. And it's, um, uh, I think it's uh, chicken flavored sweets. Oh my god! Uh, I just thought it was like tour food. It looks like food of the future. You know, like, like you know, like when you'd have a whole meal would be in like tablet form. That's so cool. I mean, the chicken is really nice, sir. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I think I think it might be a transfer as well. A tattoo, I think. But I'll never open it. <laughs> no, no, don't. It'll be worth a lot more. Now, on your CD, you also have a song called Naked Smile on Box Codex. Indeed, yeah. And it's very Franz Ferdinand-ish, Alex. Uh, oh, is it? Uh, There's some good keyboard on there, isn't there? Well, you know, I mean, I play in Franz Ferdinand as well, don't I? And I mentioned keyboards earlier. I love that keyboard that you're using right now. What is that keyboard that you're using right now that's up on stage there? That, 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 that's called a Moog, or some people call it a Moog or something like that, don't they? Aye, aye. Some Americans call it a Moog, but uh, I'd call it a Moog. Now, were you criticized by your keyboard playing, for your keyboard playing by Elton John? <laughs> no. I thought he joked about you. Was that one of you guys that got teased by Elton John? He might well have done, yeah. He was, he's, he's got quite a foul mouth, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> what about the Casio keyboard, Alex, and taking me out? Wasn't there a bluegrass setting of the Casio keyboard? Hi, that's right. That's, that's how we wrote it. We, uh, uh, Nick and I were sitting in, in my flat, and uh, we had the bluegrass setting, which came ding 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 and that's kind of wrote the riff to that, you know. Winding up here, Nick, Brian Eno. You met him, no, didn't you? Yes. Uh, I didn't recognize him at first, and then um, he handed over the Mercury Prize to us, I think, didn't he? Didn't and then I, I didn't recognize him, no, but then he, he smiled, and he had a silver tooth, and he just went, ping, like that, and then I knew it was him. How about The Edge? Did you guys recognize The Edge? Um, yeah, yeah, because we were supporting you two at the time, so it wasn't, like, um, un unreasonable. What about all the musicians associated with you two? I, I thought there was a whole bunch of people under the stage playing for them. <laughs> yes, it's, yeah, yeah, how do you know this? I just was wondering, <laughs> how many people does you two have under the stage playing keyboards? A whole orchestra, there's a whole orchestra. There's a few. Winding up here, Franz Ferdinand, there was a Canadian movie made called Stone of Destiny. Did you hear about this movie? No, what is it about? Yes, it, 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 um, it didn't do that well, did it? No, it was a Canadian movie about the Stone of Destiny. What can you tell the people about the Stone of Destiny? That's a famous thing that happened in Scotland, where some young punk stole a stone. Yeah, it's... In a pub on Road, is that the one? Yeah, it was supposedly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, some Glasgow University students in the late 50s stole the Stone of Destiny. Stone of Destiny is the stone that used to sit under the, the palace at... Well, the throne, yeah. Westminster Abbey or something. Yeah, yeah that's right. And uh, but it, it was a great kind of symbol of the Scottish identity. And there was these Scottish nationalists stole it, and there was a, a big chase after them in the fifties. And they stashed it downstairs in the Arlington, in Woodlands <laughs> Road. It's under a chair there. You can go and get crowned. And some Canadians made a movie about it, but the movie's getting trashed. Is it? Oh, that's a shame. Why does stuff get trashed like that? Is it because Canadians are doing a Scottish movie, or are Scottish people just not f proud of the weird? Scottish culture. I haven't seen the movie, so I couldn't comment really. 
I couldn't say either. It's a, great, it's a great story, you know. When the movie was getting shot, some of the crew saw you, Alex. Oh, did they? Yeah, they spotted you. In Glasgow. Yeah, and they told me, hey, we saw Alex outside the Maggie May pub. Maggie May. Remember the Maggie May? They play Maggie May. Uh, Trongate. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about that. Just walking by there. Strange, right? Apparently, I live in Glasgow and you saw me walking down the street. Whoa. And apparently, at every night, they play Maggie May at last call there. All right. Wow. That would... The tune, Maggie May. Yeah, yeah. That, that might... Drive you insane after a while, yeah. They also notice there are a lot of people in Scotland, these people were telling me about, that have cuts on their faces. Are there a lot of people with cuts on their faces in Scotland? It's just like when they're shaving, they're sometimes they're a little bit wobbly and, you know, you can, you can like, kind of... Yeah, 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 yeah. They use really old razors, don't they? The yeah, old style. Yeah. Uh, and I asked you guys about Neds. Uh, you what? I asked you about Neds before. <laughs> oh, did you? All oh, right, yeah, uh-huh. What about Senga? What is a Senga? Apparently that's a female Ned. A Ned is a non-educated person in Scotland. What's a Senga? Is that... Bob, help me. I don't know. No, I never, haven't heard that one. A, a, a Senga is just like Agnes Dean. It's Agnes spelt backwards. So I, I presume a Senga is kind of like a, a glamorous young model. And lastly here, friends, Ferdinand, I interviewed Duffy. Oh, well done. <laughs> and I, what is the connection between Duffy and Friends Ferdinand? Uh, Both love Joe Meek. Oh, oh, is that right? <laughs> but I forgot to ask her a question because in York, apparently, you can kill Joe Meek foxes. <laughs> Scotsman who's wearing a kilt if you use a bow and arrow. Yeah, exactly. You can apparently kill somebody, a Welshman, if he's in York. Scotsman. No, and a Welshman too. Oh, yeah. oh, cool, two for one. But what's, is that true? The bow and arrow Welshman Scotsman thing? Is that true? I, it, it has happened recently, yeah. How big are you guys getting, friends, Ferdinand? Huh? How big are you guys getting? It's the tour, I'm working on it, right? No, how big are you guys getting? <laughs> too, too big for a bit, so So big that the Sonics are opening for you, eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, we got sandwiched between the Sonics and Sonic Youth. The legendary Seattle band of Sonics, and I actually have a present for you guys right here. Here's something that you can remember, a Sonics poster. Oh, oh that's wicked. For them playing in Nanaimo and Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Oh my God, that's so cool. So you can just put that on your wall and just remember that these guys, we gave these guys their first break oh, yeah, so legendary proto-punk band the sonics still, I love good, still good as well you know we, we saw them live and they were fantastic like yeah. really powerful band and alex and friends for now on your wikipedia page lastly you're speaking of canon and connections wikipedia capranos has announced that he will begin collaborating with an unknown canadian artist ah yes it's it's is, is that true well, is that true well it's on wikipedia it must be i am unknown <laughs> <laughs> is it me? You're not unknown. Everybody knows who you are. Like, but I was wondering, is that me? Yeah, yeah. Does that mean that's going to happen? Is it like unknown as an unknown is famous going to get or is totally unknown like me? Well, I, I guess what? We've already collaborated though. Oh, so who might it be then? I don't know. I don't there's nobody else, is there, Alex? Yeah, there's, <laughs> how could there be not? A lot of people on the guest list. Well, thanks so much, friends, for the end. Anything else you want to say to the people out there at all? Do <laughs> Doodle. Uh, be excellent. Well, thank you very much, Franz Ferdinand. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do
are you? Katie. From? New Jersey. From? My parents. From the Vivian Girl. <laughs> yeah. And Katie, who else is in the Vivian Girl? Cassie and Allie. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you. So are all you guys here because of our tortilla chip? Yeah. How does a tortilla chip play into the Vivian Girl? Salsa is our main influence. I thought it was something about you exchanged addresses. You wrote them down, phone numbers on a tortilla chip. Oh, no, that, was, um, that wasn't a tortilla chip. That was a... Um, tortilla. That was just a tortilla. It wasn't a chip. It- I want it to be a tortilla chip. <laughs> it could have been a tortilla chip, but then it had the phone number written on it, so it never got to that point. But it was very important, though. Maybe you could explain to the people. It was like ground zero for the Vivian girls, wasn't it? It was pretty close to ground zero. Um, you know, we were at brunch. It was, a, it was a Sunday morning. We were all really hungover. And Frankie was sitting next to me, and she was like, Hey, Cassie, you want to start a band? And I said, Yeah. So that's how it happened. We traded phone numbers on a tortilla. And then you, Katie, you loved the band Taco... Taco Cat. Taco Cat. Yeah. So it was kind of connected. Tortilla, Taco Cat. Yes. We can tell people Taco Cat from Seattle. Taco Cat. They're the best band in the world. Why did you like them? I like them because they have a song about uh, wearing leotards as a way to get guys to not feel your boobs on a first date. That's Taco Cat. Taco Cat. Now, speaking of cats and stuff, do you guys tour with cats? I saw a picture of you and some cats. Oh, there's Mr. Rupert and Ninja. You actually travel with the cat? Was that a real cat on the dashboard? Oh, that's that's Snuggles. Where is Snuggles? I don't know. Is that a real cat? Yes. Where is is he in the van right now? I hope so. I love Mr. Little Snuggles. Snuggles (gasps) disappeared a few days ago. It looked very lifelike. Yeah. Thank you. Just, you know, tacos, taco cat, snuggles. Snuggles. And you were the band? Vivian Girls. Vivian Girls. No, Vivian Girls. Has anybody expected you guys to be boys? (laughs) Hmm. Because all these bands are called the girls, you know, girls, right? Yes. So has anybody expected you to be boys? Maybe. You know, like Vivian Girls. Yeah, right, you're girls. Yeah, right. I mean, well, the original Vivian Girls are uh, hermaphrodites, so you never know. Baboom. Yeah. <laughs> now, Vivian girls, which one of you knows the band Japanther? We all know them. <laughs> Who perhaps dated a member of Japanther? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. What a mystery. Which one could it be, Katie? It could be any of us, really. Oh, it's Snuggles. <laughs> I'm asking this because apparently the member of the Vivian girls who dated a member of Japanther stole Mika Miko's pants. <laughs> he gave them to me. Jeans and I was like, yeah, yes, Jennifer. And I was like, yeah, they fit me. I'll take these free jeans. <laughs> Little did I know they were Mika Mika's jeans. And then we had this MySpace correspondence for a while, and she wanted her jeans back. She loved the jeans. They were crotchless jeans. <laughs> they weren't crotchless. They were crotchless, weren't they? Okay, they were crotchless. <laughs> well, but the thing is that by the time she MySpaced me, they actually were crotchless because I'd worn them so many times. There were like these huge rips in the ass and knees and shit. And then she didn't want them anymore. So did you have any idea that they were Miko Miko's Jen's jeans at all? Yeah. You did from the beginning. You knew it were her jeans. Yeah. So what happened to the jeans? I wore them so much that they got way too fucked up to wear anymore and I threw them away. Who got their pants? How'd you get your pants stolen? Well, I left them at Japanther's house and uh, 
Well, wait, who can help me with the story? Okay, I'm blinking. Um, she wasn't sure where she left them. She knew yeah. she left them in New York somewhere. Like, were you wearing them when you lost them, or how did you lose them? Well, like... Wild night out with Mika Miko? I remember. Okay, no, we were just sleeping there, and we all, like, got naked and gave each other massages. <laughs> True. I was at my sister's house, so I was not here. We were just... <laughs> and then I left my pants there. And then she wore something else the next day. She doesn't wear the pants every day. So then a friend of ours went to New York and she took a picture oh. with of this girl and she had these pants and it, it turned out to be Jennifer's pants, but she was one of the guys in Japanther's girlfriend and now she's in Vivian Girls. I don't know if you've heard them, but they're this band from New York who you'll probably get into. And Maybe they, in that my our friend went there and she was like, "Wait, this girl just told me she's wearing your pants," and she sent me a photo. And they all were ripped, like the crotch was missing and the knees were mit- missing, and they were like my favorite pants. Would you like to address the camera? Anything to say to Jennifer about the jeans incident? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll give you a pair of my jeans someday. And you guys heard of Vivian girls. Now on tour, is it hard to shower? <laughs> At home, it's hard to shower. On tour, is it hard to shower? It's always hard to shower. Because I was wondering, have you learned about King Kong and his showering techniques? No. Because King Kong, can King Kong in the shrines, he just wears a bathing suit and never takes it off. So he can shower that way. He's a never nude. A never nude? Is that a new tune? Yes, that's our name of our second album. Never nude. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about that? Would you guys be into the bathing suit angle, the King Kong bathing suit angle? I don't know, man. I don't know if that's working out so hot for him. Have you played any gigs with him at all? Yes. Because you've played gigs with everybody. Who haven't you played with? Uh, the Evaporators. Oh, that is true. Oh, we, actually. No, we played a house show that you played like 10 hours later at South by Southwest. Yes, we did indeed. Did We did play a show with the Evaporators. <laughs> but what I was wondering, what about King Kong? What about King Kong? What do you think about King Kong's habits, this idea? What is his idea? It's like, wear some bathing sh- shorts, and then you never have to have a shower, and you just you shower in them. You don't have to change your underwear. We like being naked. <laughs> In the tub. Just like Mika Miko were naked and lost their pants. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's, it's, it's the whole circle of life. Speaking of washrooms and stuff, Vivian girls, the last time in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, you guys played the asphalt. I wasn't there. <laughs> Do you remember the asphalt at all? You mean the Astoria? Yes, they call it the asphalt, a combination of the Cobalt Club and the Astoria. They call it the asphalt. 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 What did you think about playing the Astoria? Like, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. It was scary. Have you played many clubs like that? Like, with all the gigs you guys have done, what do you think about the Asphalt? How does it rate up there? Because it's kind of interesting, isn't it? That Asphalt really ranked high on my list of shows. But the fans were amazing, weren't they? Didn't some fans, like, follow you all the way to, like, Seattle or something? Some Vancouver fans? How do you know that? <laughs> uh, two, uh, three of our friends did come down to see our Seattle show the next day. They're, You're right. And they're the coolest guys ever. Are they in a band of dead ghosts? Yeah. yeah. They really love you. We love them. So it's worth playing the ass ball. So you get some dead ghost action. Yes. Yeah. And also, let me just say this. Well, actually, go back to the Dead Ghost. They followed you from Vancouver to Seattle. Are there people following the Vivian girls around? Do you have people following you on this tour? Yeah, Eva Goda. We can't get rid of them. <laughs> oh, you get rid of them. <laughs> they show up at every show. <laughs> we just try to drive away, but they know where every show is, too. <laughs> and then they play, and it's weird. <laughs> What's really great is you Vivian girls have a song called Wild Eyes. Also, there's a Canadian band called the Stam... The Stampeders, who has a song called Wild Eyes 2. 
Really? Yeah. It's a great tune. Wild Eyes. Wild Eyes. That's our version. (laughs) You should learn that, though, because, like, you love Canada, don't you? Like, here you are, you know, playing the asphalt, taking fans of the dead ghost, doing the song Wild Eyes. What do you think the difference is without ever hearing the Stampeders song Wild Eyes and your song Wild Eyes? Anything about the song Wild Eyes? Uh, It's a good song either way. We're, we're changing it to be Wild Fries, and we're going to market it towards fast food establishments. Yeah, I heard about that. Like, Hoobastank has their own burrito, right? Oh, yeah, we just went yeah. to Denny's, and there's, like, the plain white milkshake, plain white tea's milkshake, <laughs> yeah, and uh, what Taking else? Taking Back T- Sunday has uh, their, like, burrito or like chicken fries or... Meat burrito. Bacon burger. Quesadilla. And Abe Vigoda were saying it should be a Taking Back Sunday Sunday. Exactly! Yeah, we were saying. <laughs> it's going to be Wild Fries? Wild Fries. Now, is Canada partly responsible for the Vivian girls covering the Beach Boys? Yes, it is. Because we went up to Canada with our friend Todd P. He was in the van, and then we were coming back from Canada. He put on that song, and that is how we decided to cover it. I forgot about that. Way to go, dude. Thank you, Canada. Or does it really go to TV on the radio? Is it TV on the radio's fault that you're covering the Beach Boys? They have a part to do with it, too. Because they invited you to play in Canada. Yeah. Thank you, TV on the radio. Now, you mentioned Todd P. How does Todd P. do it? He puts on all these gigs in New York, all these gigs at South by Southwest. How does he do it? It's insane. That's his job. But still, though, it seems amazing. How does he work? How does he do that? He has a lot of interns, and he works really hard. Does he get paid? He takes a percentage of the door money. It's his, it's his job. Now, Ali, you were not here when the asphalt gig happened. I was not. Because you were at a skating rink? Yeah, probably. <laughs> what do you do at the skating rink? I give people skates and ring them up for things. I don't do that anymore, though, because I play drums in Vivian Girl. Still, it's Canadian skating. Is it ice skating? It is ice skating. Yes, Canadian. Yeah, Canadian. <laughs> now, Vivian Girls, you guys also played a gig where it was a BYOK. Bring your own kittens? No, almost. You guys, Vivian Girls, played a gig where it was BYOK. Bring your own keg? You guys, Vivian Girls, played a gig where it was BYOK. Bring your own kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We did play that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. What kick was that? What can you tell people about that kick? That was from Kid Rockers, right? No, I'm getting this right. Uh, kid Rockers, we played a show for children. What's the idea behind that? Who else has played that? And did you bring your own kid? We, we, <laughs> uh, we, we brought Allie. Uh, <laughs> uh, we played with this band called the Bones Royal. They played with us that day. Vivian Girls, I mentioned South by Southwest, and you mentioned that my band, The Evaporators, almost played with you at South by Southwest. You played at the house party, the Hazard, HMS Hazard House. What do you remember about that gig at South by Southwest, the HMS Hazard House? It was really fun, but we played super early that day, so we missed you. But how many people were at the house when you played it? Fifteen? Tops? Do you remember all your South by Southwest gigs? Because there was like 18 of them. I remember every last one. Now, how tired were you at the end of all this? Meh. Very. Did the instruments break down, though? My, my uh, body broke down. Well, I heard that the instruments broke down. Yeah, all of our stuff started breaking by the end. Like, like the Hot Freaks party or something. Oh, yeah. That's... What happened at the Hot Freaks South by Southwest party? Uh, who knows? We were, we were still asleep while we played that show. <laughs> Was it your manager's idea to do all those gigs? Yes. Snuggles is very hard on us. <laughs> but there's a limit to how many you can play, isn't there? Like, seven, was it seven in one day? Is that the most you did? Yeah. One of those is acoustic, but it's still a show. Vivian Girls, who is a fan of Jeopardy? 
Ooh. We are. We are. All of us. But who is a fan of Jeopardy? Who works at Jeopardy that perhaps is a fan of Vivian Girls? How did that happen? Alex Trebek. Huge, huge fan. Our biggest fan, actually. Number, number one fan. Do you have any idea how you got on Jeopardy? No. Nope. You don't think of somebody working there? All of a sudden, we just got a bunch of text messages about it. How quick did that happen? Immediately. And did you have any idea what was going on? No. We were like, we've made it. We've made it. We're common knowledge. <laughs> Do you remember what the exact question was? They didn't actually ask for your band name, did they? No, I remember. I read it online. It was Vivian Girls from this New York City suburb or borough. <laughs> from this New York City borough are, are considered really, really, really cute by the New York Times or something. And it was? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. And the person said Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wah, wah. But more importantly, did you play a banana's wedding? Yes. Oh, yeah. A banana's wedding. It was the most fun ever. You can tell people the bananas, one of the greatest bands ever. It was bananas. It was bananas. The bananas are the best band ever. Sacramento, still? Yeah, still from the sack. Except for Marie, who lives in San Francisco now. So were you guys actually playing the wedding? Yeah. So did they schedule their wedding around the Vivian girls? Yes. So we are available for weddings then? Oh, always. No, did you actually get to play the song? Like, Here Comes the Bride and all that sort of stuff? How did that go down? What did you wear? Did you catch it? Oh, no. We, we only played the reception, not the actual I ceremony. I wore what I'm wearing right now to the wedding. It's my nice clothes. I wore a dress. And what was the reception like? How did it all go? Good. It was really fun. The wedding reception or the reception of us playing the reception? Well, both. <laughs> both were great. Vivian Girls, you had a chance to play with the A-Bones. Yeah, we did. The A-Bones opened for you. Yeah, they did. And the A-Bones have a big fan in Mary Weiss from the Shangri-Las. Oh, really? Yeah, you should do more gigs with them. We should. What do you think about that gig, playing with the legendary A-Bones? It was awesome. Where was that at? Barry Ballroom. And what was that for? Don't remember. King Khan? Yeah. yeah, it was the King Kong barbecue show. Yeah. Yes, it was. No, I noticed in the review of the gig that it said you guys were leaving at 8 a.m. and then next morning. But it turned out we, <laughs> missed, we missed the flight. The flight. <laughs> we, went to, we went to the wrong airport. <laughs> we're girls. <laughs> Just kidding. We can't do anything. <laughs> but I was thinking though, do you ever turn down any gigs? Like here's a big gig with King Kong and barbecue, but you could have turned it down and then you wouldn't have missed the flight. No, that's not why we missed the flight. We just got the airport wrong. Yeah. We would have. No, but what I mean is, do you ever turn down gigs? So thinking like you got to get up early the next morning. Do you ever? How do? Never. We never have to get up early. How do you get all the gigs? How do you get all the gigs? It's amazing, like all the gigs, isn't it? We have. We get every gig. We, we literally play every show. You can't miss us ever. We. We're always playing. Vivian Girls, one thing in analyzing your band, winding up here, everybody talks about the Vivian Girls, and they mention this band. What can you tell the people about Black Tambourine here? Is this for me? Can I keep this? Uh, no, it's just a little <laughs> gift for it. Well, um, yeah. So it's mine now? Uh, no, no. But I was just wondering, um, what exactly is Black Tambourine? Why are you always compared to Black Tambourine? Their band. Well, we always use, we use Black Tambourines on stage when we play live. Yeah. But you never heard of them before? No, we have. But everybody likes to use it as a reference point. What can you tell the people about Black Tambourine? It's a band that we sound similar to. Baboom. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. And you are the Vivian? Girls. Now, doing all these gigs, what do you know about merch? Do you really sell your t-shirts for five bucks? You used to. What do you sell them for now? Ten dollars. So they've gone up. Yeah, but we sell them for five for a really long time. How about for sizes? It's always hard to figure out what sizes for shirts. Do you ever do extra large? Only double extra large. 
Is that for the fans, the girl band geeks that follow you guys around? Yeah, of like, course. You sell many extra larges. We sell them to only pairs of people to wear. Like, what is the most the biggest seller for all your shirts that you guys use? Double extra large. For sure. Yeah. We have, we have a very large fan base. How about for seven inches? How come when you guys make a seven inch, there's so many test pressings? I saw this listing and there were tons of test pressings. Uh, we made a lot of test presses, pressings usually because we are leaving for tour and there's not enough time to make the regular record. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, so we have merch on tour. Winding up here, Vivian girls, you're going to be heading back to the United States of America. Are you going to take the Nexus lane this time? <laughs> oh, not this time. Hopefully, unless the bridge is closed. I can't believe you got away with that, because that's a special lane. You have to have a special card to go through the Nexus lane. They didn't even check us for the card. You have to go through an eye scan to get through the Nexus lane. We didn't. They give you an eye scan. So could you explain to the people, how did you get from Canada to the United States using the Nexus lane, the highly protected Nexus lane? We saw an alternate route. Uh, we were taking back roads around the highway because the highway was all blocked off, and we saw this alternate route sign that said Nexus on it. So we're like, let's just follow it and ask the person who works there where to go. So we did, and then this guy just like waved us through. We're over the bridge, got into America. That's it. Yeah, because the bridge was closed. It, they just closed the bridge for some reason. We didn't know why. So. And you got the Nexus lane, but the other band you were traveling with got caught in some traffic, right? They had to take a ferry over. It took yeah. them hours and hours and hours. They missed the show. Well, Vivian Girls, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? We love you. Same. Why should people care about the Vivian Girls? Should they? <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much, Vivian Girls. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. you. 
That's what I want to know sometimes. I have no idea. It depends on day to day. Sometimes I'm Flip Wilson, sometimes I'm Chris Rock. Who knows? You are a kid dino? <laughs> oh, he's going that route. I didn't even know that. He's got me all discombobulated here in, in the lovely Vancouver, BC. I could be Tiger Woods at times. There's a golf course not far away from here, so I could be that guy too. You are Jimmy Walker, Kid Dynamite. Is that who I am this week? Oh, heck darn it. Oh, fiddlesticks. Oh, happy fish and chips. <laughs> Jimmy Walker, Kid Dynamite. Is that trademarked, Kid Dynamite? At times it is. At times it's not. It's varying. It's like lubrication. It goes up and down. You're in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada here right now. Vancouver is your number two city to play, your number two city to play. Number two or number one, depending on how the chart goes. One of my favorite cities in the whole North American world, Vancouver, B.C., and Barnaby, home of Michael J. Fox, as was appropriately pointed out to me by the wonderful Mark Price, ladies and gentlemen. And me, Nardward a Human Serviette. But I knew that before, because Mark Price, who I talked to this morning, from Skippy, from Family Tides told me the same deal. Baboom! Baboom by Bang Bong. JJ, Jimmy Walker, I was curious. Thelma, did you ever get busy with oh, Thelma on Good Times? Darn it, no. She was married the whole time. And she's still married again. She just had another child, from what I heard. Because I see she's looking mighty fine there, JJ, and you're quite eligible yourself, I'm eligible. aren't you? I'm eligible. The man from the white spot is eligible. How about Janet Jackson Penny? Did you ever get busy with no, her? She was only four years old. So you got to remember that. You know, you got to remember the Jacksons have been working for almost 35 years. People don't remember that. So she did the Sonny and Cher show and the Cher show and the Jackson show before she she did four shows in four years and she was four years old. When did you first work with the Jackson family? Was that the first Jackson you ever worked with? No, I actually worked with Michael Jackson and the whole Jacksons before then when they had the Jackson show, which was a summer replacement show way back in like 1970. Do you remember the exact circumstances? Like, what was on the show? What did you do? You didn't dance, right? No, I did not dance. I did allegedly comedy. <laughs> allegedly. So we did sketches. We do, you, do you remember any of the jokes no, he told? No, not even one. Herbie Baker was in charge of that. And I used to say, Herbie Baker, this is not funny. He says, don't worry. It'll be great when we put it in post. It looked fabulous. Jimmy Walker, JJ, do you have total recall still? No, not at all. I think kind of the beginning stages of remedial Alzheimer's is taking place here. But can you take us back? Like, I mean, way back. Please, Jimmy Walker, can you oh, take us back? Look please? at this guy. Oh, my goodness gracious. Now, this is a shock. I, You know, everywhere I go, somebody has an album. But never an interviewer, never anybody that's that much on the case. My man Agua is on the case here with the old Jimmy J.J. Dynamite album, which has some good... This is actually a very good album. I hate to admit it, but it, it, it still holds up to today. It's very good. I love this. I have a new album, but this is better than a new album. This is really very good. I was wondering, though, take us back to the beginning. From the beginning, Bronx there, Jimmy J.J. Oh, yikes. He's done some research, yes. I started in the Bronx uh, many hundreds of years ago and worked in Harlem, New York at a theater called the Apollo Theater and then worked with a group called The Last Poets. And then after I worked with The Last Poets, I went to the improv. And after the improv, I did a TV show. And here, this album is a result of that. And from the TV show, here we are all the way in Barnaby, B.C. That's how far it's gotten me in 35 years. Let's skip back. Were you in Snow White? <laughs> Snow White. No, no, no. I was one of the dwarfs, and I was the black dwarf. It's called Darkie. The last poets. Let's not skip over them. The last poets. They're damn cool there, Jimmy Walker. <laughs> they're very tough. They're very tough. They're they may not be for the for this audience. They're a little, little rough for this crowd. You opened for the black poets. The last poets. The black poets. The black and the last. They were the last black poets, but they were the black poets who were last. And yes, I did open for them for about four years in Harlem, New York. 
Jimmy Walker, JJ, the Black Panthers. Were you the official comedian of the Black Panthers? What's going on there? I was the official comedian for the Black Panthers for about two years. The official comedian for the Black Panthers in the East, ladies and gentlemen. And I used to always think, because we always bring guns to these cultural meetings. If the guy didn't like me, he was standing by watching the door, he could just pick up his gun and go, done. How did you get that gig, though, JJ? I got that gig from being with the Last Poets. The Last Poets were a very kind of militant group, so we used to do a lot of benefits. And the guy who was the head of that, a guy called H. Rap Brown, you should be our official comedian. So I was the official comedian. Do you have a CAA rap at all? A CAA rap? No! They don't want to talk to me at CAA. Oh, heck darn it. You know, CAA is, is an agency which is a very big... I, I meant CIA. CIA! CIA! That's different! You know, that's a different thing. CIA is a whole di different story. That's our uh, Central Intelligence Agency, which is kind of an oxymoron in the States. A Central Intelligence Agency, because there's not much of that going on. But go ahead. Because if you're with the Black Panthers, you have any FBI rap, that type of I thing. Think, I think I do, actually. I do. I am in there. Somebody put me in there. I'm in the cultural thing, and they did do a rap sheet on me. I have a rap sheet at the CIA and the FBI. J. Edgar Hoover, who had just died then, did our whole thing, and he had me. And I was with Fred Hampton, who was the leader of the Black Panthers. So, yes, I do have a CIA rap sheet. And you've seen it. I have seen some of it. It's made up. It's very strange to see yourself in something like that where you go, Oh, darn heck, what am I doing in here? So I was in there, yeah, def definitely. Do you remember the White Panthers at all? Yes, I do, the White Panthers and the Gray Panthers who are still around. Do you know who they are? Yes, they are the senior citizens in, in uh, San Francisco, and they have a group called the Gray Panthers. Now, speaking about senior citizens and stuff, what is the importance of this gentleman right here there, Jimmy Walker? Dolomite. Dolomite! Oh, my goodness gracious! I work with Dolomite. This guy's a legendary black comedian who works only like at 4 o'clock in the morning shows in basements. And uh, Billy Ray, uh, Rudy Ray Moore, Mr. Dolomite, is a guy who's a legendary black comic around in the States. And he just works underground gigs. Growing up, though, growing up, did you ever have influence by him? Oh, uh, definitely, definitely. This guy's been around for a thousand years. He with Red Fox and many others. I don't even have this. This is great, Mr. Dolomite. I don't even have this. This is fabulous. You also did a commercial for Altoids, right? Because so did Dolomite. Ouch! This guy knows everything. Yes, I did Dolomite. Uh, I did uh, Altoids about a three years ago, and they did a whole thing where I was dressed in my outfit and I had my stuff. Much kind of the same outfit you have on here today. Kind of like uh, Dolomite, because remember he did Dolomints, remember? Dolomints, so I had this and that, so there was a combination of both. We had this outfit on, and Dolomite was there, and it's fabulous. Did you ever do an ad for Kool-Aid at all there, Jimmy Walker, JJ? They never, you know, let me tell you something. This is actually a true story. You'll be the first to Janet Duwall played with Lone on our show, is now doing the Kool-Aid ad, which is very interesting. I never got a Kool-Aid ad, and I should because I hyped them tremendously in my time on the air. You were talking about bookings and stuff. It's hard for Dolomite to get into Vegas, and it's hard for you to get places, too. How low were you? Did you ever eat dog food like on Good Times? <laughs> Dolomite has not been in Vegas. No, he has not. I, I'm in Vegas all the time. I'm there 12 weeks a year, but Dolomite has not made it to Vegas yet, but I'm sure... And that's a shame, isn't it? It is a shame. We need to get Dolomite in Vegas. He's all right with me. Leno and Letterman wrote you jokes. What were some of the jokes that they wrote you? Come on there, JJ. Just one. Come on. All right. I'll lay one out right now. Uh, Letterman wrote me a joke one time. and says, there's a burger called the In-N-Out Burger, which the slogan is, taste as good as it looks. It really does. Ow. Baboom. <laughs> yes. And then somebody else wrote me a joke. Uh, oh, I forgot it. I, I, I can't remember it. I was thinking of it, and it's something to do with a dictionary, but never mind. I can't remember. 
How do you deal with hecklers? Because I know a guy that saw you a few years ago, and you said to him, hey, man, looks like you're dead, and he shot back, looks like you're dead. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, so we had him shot, so he's dead. So that's the best way to deal with them. Usually, I have a bodyguard shoot them. You were on the Drew Carey show a few years ago with Gary Coleman, right? It wasn't a few months ago. A few months ago. A few months ago with Mr. Gary Coleman, my good friend and pal. Yes, we did an episode of Drew Carey. It was fabulous. It was wonderful. Very kind of weird. You know, at the end here, Drew is doing some weird shows. So we, we did that. And we played Drew in blackface. So uh, Gary Coleman was Drew. I was Ryan Stiles and somebody else was somebody else. So we did that. Well, Jimmy Walker, Gary Coleman doesn't like to say, what you doing about Willis anymore, does he? He says it sometimes. No, he said he will not say that anymore. Oh, he will not say it's no more. That's it. Just like I'm through with the other thing. We're both through. Me and Gary Coleman are both through with our catchphrases forever. But you can always get it on this album here. And also, my website, which I might as well hype now since the wild man is here, dynamitejj.com. You can dial me up anytime there. If you're on much TV, you can always get me on the thing. Much more TV, sorry. JJ, were you ever on the love boat? Because I saw that you were on the love boat. Ha-ha, <laughs> <laughs> caught five times on the love boat. Twelve. Twelve times? Twelve times love boat. Actually went on the cruise, too. We Sometimes we don't do the cruise, but we did the cruise twice we went on the cruise, and it was fabulous. We, I love the love boat. Fred Grandy, good friend of mine. Ted Lange, good friend of mine. And Bernie Coppell, good friend of mine. Three good friends from the love boat. What was the scenario? I did one with Telma Hopkins and Damon Wilson. Hello, and that was good, and I did one with Ben Vereen, so that was good. So we did a couple. We did a few, and then we did one with Suzanne Summers. Whoa! Suzanne Summers, her first thing she had really done by being a star, because she had been doing a lot of Carson shows, and she did a star, and me and Brenda Sykes, who you don't know who that is, but me and Brenda Sykes and, and, and Suzanne Summers. Did you say Kid Dynamite on it? What was your no, role? No, my role was uh, Brenda Sykes' boyfriend. And, and, and Suzanne Summers was Brenda Sykes' best friend, and we were breaking up, and she was trying to get us back together. I wanted to ask you there, J.J., Jimmy oh, Walker, oh, about a few other groups and stuff. This gentleman... Oh! Like, what is this? Blowfly! I do know Blowfly, actually, and uh, he's a guy that uh, is a pretty low comic. He's lower than Red Fox, actually, and I do know this guy. He's been around for a long time, and... Uh, he does kind of a X-rated kind of humor. Not for me. Thank you. But he's still around now. He's still around, definitely. This guy knows everybody. I put my album out, which is much more better. And then Rudy Ray Moore. But yeah, definitely. Come on, give Blowfly some props. Blowfly Disco. Come on. Did it. Did it. Did it to your satisfaction. That's enough of Blowfly. <laughs> well, Jimmy Walker, what about this gentleman right here? Do you remember the racetrack, Richard Stanfield? Oh, my goodness gracious. How does this guy? Who, is this Willie Tyler? Oh, who is Richard it? Richard Sandfield. Is his oh. ventriloquist? Oh yes, I do know this record guy. called the Racetrack. Showing records here to Jimmy oh, Walker. Yes. My heck, darn it, Dotto Records or Do Dot Records or whatever. Yeah, I do know this guy a little bit, but not that well. He's uh, riding a, a young lady here. This is a little crazy. I don't know if the kids are ready for this kind of stuff, but yeah. I wanted to I wanted to show you this, JJ, because there's a whole tradition of black comedians, etc. And this guy, the Baroness Bobo, like. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. No, I don't know this guy, and I don't think I want to know this guy. But you remember Laugh Records, don't yes, you? Yes, I do remember Laugh Records. I almost had a deal with them, matter of fact. I almost had a deal with Laugh Records, but uh, then they were a little too dirty for me. But, but this is your whole thing, isn't it? A lot of blacks are underground, aren't they? Yes, These people they are. are not household names, and they no, should they be. They are not household names. Even roaches don't know who these guys are. My goodness, these guys are really underground. I have no idea who this guy is. The Baroness Bobo. So what do you think about stuff like that being... Where 
regulated, you know, to the back burner. Well, these guys stick around. Billy Crystal, ladies and gentlemen, you look marvelous. I love Billy. Billy's a good guy. I worked with Billy when he was with the, the Crystal Twins or the Crystal Brothers. Billy's a good guy, and I like him. How about this gentleman over here there, JJ? Jimmy, Jimmy Walker. I got to ask you about the old school standards there. Jimmy Walker, JJ. You look marvelous, baby. Yeah, Sammy, my man. I did the Sammy Davis Jr. show. He's one of the best guys in the world. Loved him, great entertainer. He could do everything, impressions, singing, dancing. Sammy Davis, boy, oh boy, you don't mess with my man. He's got every album in the world. Please tell me a bit about him, though. Sammy, a little Sammy story. Come on, JJ. Sammy, Sammy uh, uh, had a thing about women. He loved women, and he was always, he loved uh, what we would call, sometimes people would say, uh, having more than one. You know what I'm saying? So he was notorious for that. And you also work with there, JJ. This is your life there, JJ, Jimmy Walker. <laughs> Little Richard. Little Richard. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Little Richard I work with on a show called, called Busting Loose, and we did a... Busting Loose. Let's go back a second here, JJ. <laughs> Busting Loose. Little Richard came on three or four times. He was a semi-regular, could not remember a line, and whenever he would screw up a line, he'd go, Shut up! That's all he'd say. Shut up! That's it. So he's very good. I love Little Richard. He's great. And he lived. He used to live at the Hyatt House, which we call the Ride House in Los Angeles on Sunset Boulevard. So I love Little Richard. He's all right. JJ, Jimmy Walker, autographs and stuff. Do you get a lot of requests for autographs? Yes, I do. Constantly. Especially after my shows, I get a lot of requests. Always sign everyone. Do not miss a trick. I sign everything. As I will sign the album when you leave, and you'll be leaving soon. Uh, <laughs> boom! <laughs> I sign everything. So when people come to see me in a club or if I see them in the street, most of the time I do sign. I love it. Jimmy Walker. Jay Walker. You ever been caught jaywalking at old Jimmy Walker? Yes, almost right here, actually. We were leaving, and the only black cop in Barnaby pulled me over. So that was good. He let me slide. Pam Greer. Do you remember Pam Greer? I actually know Pam Greer because I know her boyfriend. Her boyfriend was in a group called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. A Canadian connection. That's right. So I don't make this stuff up. So, yes, I do know Pam Greer. No, Pam Greer told me about a story of going to Wilt Chamberlain's house or being invited to Wilt's house for a party. Yikes. Now, J.J. Oh. J.J., did you Yikes. go to Wilt's house for any party? Oh, we went over a couple of times just to play volleyball. That's all. We didn't always use a net, but that's another story. Ba-boom. <laughs> Come on, tell me about the order. You oh, love sex. No, no, you love no, sex, no, don't you? No, no, I have nothing to do with it. I'm an innocent camper. Little Richard, shut up! Come on there, JJ. Come on. A bit of story. A bit of story. I have nothing to say about, about Will Chamberlain's house. Okay, how about wild orgies, parties, sex, oh, on the no, set, I, good times, Selma? <laughs> no, I have nothing to say. I, I, I take the Fifth Amendment or I take the Parliamentary Amendment of Silencio. Jimmy Walker, are we on the basketball court or are we in the hockey rink right now? Sometimes we could be on a basketball court, and right now I think we're skating on thin ice. Right now, believe it or not, in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Good Times is on every night, every night at 2 a.m. Oh, man, I haven't got my farm residuals yet. Where is that dough? I can go to Subway or something, get something. Yeah, how are you doing with that? Do you get any pay from that? You didn't get ripped off. Like no, 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 no. You have to get paid. It's the law. You have to get paid. So everybody gets paid. Because so. some shows got ripped off, yes, didn't they? Gilligan's Island, uh, Father Knows Best, Leave it to Beaver. They don't get anything. But we do. 
And I noticed you have a PG rating on the show. That's interesting, isn't it? Well, that's just for uh, some strong content of moral uh, interpretude. You also do blackjack, Jimmy Walker, JJ. Yes, I do. Blackjack tournaments where I'm celebrity. I wave. I talk to the people. I shake their hands. We sign autographs. We play blackjack for uh, charities. It's great. And we do uh, craps also. And we play baccarat, which is a Chinese game. Was Lenny Kravitz's mom on the Jeffersons, Jimmy Walker? Yes. Rocky, uh, Roxy Roker and Lenny Kravitz used to always be, at that time, his last name was Romeo. So he was a Romeo guy at that time. He's trying to get a deal in Los Angeles. That was his real name at that time. Who else hung out on a set of Good Times? Did anybody drop by to hang out? <laughs> did Sammy? <laughs> Sammy was there because he did laughing, not laughing, but All in the Family, which is on our thing. Billy D. Williams was there. Uh, we had other people. Gabriel Kaplan was a friend of mine. Most of the people from uh, Welcome Back Carter would come by. We had a lot of people come by. Robert Guillaume who was on our show. He came by. We had a lot of people. So, yes. Are guns bad? Guns in our Constitution are very good. That's right. We need guns. Everybody needs a gun to protect yourself from the other guy who's got a gun. How about in Canada? Canada, they didn't use guns in Canada. They just kind of kind of get a beaver tail and whack you over the head or something over here or maybe in a big icicle pop. Do you pack your heat at the border when you come across? Well, when I was in Detroit, which is actually true, I got pulled over and arrested in Detroit for not having a gun. No! Yes, you must have a gun when you go to Detroit. You must be packing at all times. Are you a Democrat or anti-fascist, JJ? I'm more of a fascist. I'm more of a fascist by nature, and people call me Jimmy the Fascist or Jimmy the Nazi, some people call me. <laughs> That's actually true. Anything else you'd like to add to the people out there at all there? Jimmy Walker, JJ in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. How are you doing? I want to say that this guy has done a marvelous job keeping up. He may look wacky and zany, but the man knows what he's talking about. He's got some info. He's packing. A very different interview from somebody who's done over 20,000 interviews. Probably the most different interview we've ever done. Well, thank you very much there, J.J. Appreciate the props. I was curious there, J.J., finally, Jimmy Walker. Do you still love watermelons? Oh, my goodness. I feel guilty about eating watermelons because I'm afraid people are going to take a picture of me, put me in the front cover of the Vancouver Sun and say, summer's here. You never know. You know, you don't want that to happen. Baboom! <laughs> yes! So I'm done like a Thanksgiving goose, man. I'm out of here. Well, thanks so much, Jimmy. Doot, doot, loot, do. <laughs> doot, doot.
are you? <laughs> Canaan. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you very much, Narwar. Now, Canaan, you are also the king of New York. That's right, that's right. According to Only Magazine for Vancouver. Can you explain, how come you're the king of New York? Uh, it was all by an accident. I just arrived one day and they just gave me a thing, crowned me, and then I was the king of New York. That's what people forget. You're the king of New York, don't they? They think you're from Canada, but you're the king of New York. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, th th it's amazing because I'm also from Canada. I can do, I multitask all the time. Kenan, what was it like drinking tea with Damien Marley? You drank tea with Damien Marley. Yeah, well, we drank tea... Um, and, uh, we, we, you know, it's great. We reflected on, on the, the, the great things of the world and how great we are as, as artists and so on. And what did the tea taste like? What type of tea was it? Chamomile tea? What sort of tea did you have? <laughs> well, it wasn't uh, a chamomile tea. It was, uh, I think, rooibos, which is like a South African tea and stuff. But we have, we've, come on, we have had so many teas right now, by now, that I can't really narrow it down to just one company. It's great you know your teas. I know my teas. Now, Kanan, is it true that Damien Marley's sister lives in Toronto? Yes. A Marley Canada connection. Well, yeah, his, his mother uh, has some Canadian connection as well. Kanan, have you done a gig in Djibouti? Yes. What was that like? Amazing. And you don't have to wear a condom to go there. Why is that? Because <laughs> it's called Djibouti. Exactly. But doing a gig in Djibouti is really cool. Djibouti. <laughs> it is really cool. It was amazing, man. We had like uh, thousands of people. It was great. And I mention that because there's a connection between Djibouti and Canada. Is there? Yes, there is. I have a gift for you, Kanan, and it's from a Vancouver-related group. Well, not really. A Montreal group called the Feztones. Fouad and the Feztones. And check. This is a gift for you, Kanan. What is the name of the number one track on their new LP? What is it called? Check the back here. Okay. Um, their new LP's number one track. Oh, my God. Djibouti Call. Djibouti Call. <laughs> <laughs> this is Fouad and the Feztones containing members of the Stills. You know the band of Stills? Yeah, of course. From Montreal. Right? Yeah. Two guys from the Stills who are going to be at some award shows with you soon. Why didn't I think of Djibouti Call? Isn't that great? It's amazing. And it's an instrumental, and you should cover that, shouldn't you? Why don't I listen to it and think... Honestly, I think I might cover that, because if it's any good, and I think if it includes the stills, it will be good. Djibouti Call is a hell of a title. It is an incredible tune. Like, you've covered Coldplay, but this is going to top that. Djibouti Call. Djibouti Call it is. And it's instrumental, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's like an instrumental tune with wailing sax. So you can, like, rap over it. I'm going to do this. It's like perfect. In fact, you don't really have to cover You can just bring it to your gig today, and that's a gift for you. <laughs> and just thank you so much. Nardware just gave me a gift. Thank you very much. The Feztones. The Feztones. That's what they're called. Now, here you are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. We are in Vancouver, and I mention Vancouver because Saul Guy is from Vancouver. That's right. Saul Guy really paved the way. Can you tell the people about Saul Guy? He paved the way for the rascals. we got to give props to Saul Guy and the rascals. we got to give props to Saul Guy. The rascals, uh, he paved the way for Cardinal, Chaos, uh, myself, um, and... Uh, He's a, he's a criminal in, in uh, Sweden. Yeah, he also is a punching bag. He took some punches for you. <laughs> I wouldn't call Saul Guy a punching bag. But do you know what I mean? No, he took punches he for you on behalf of you. That's a true manager. He took bullets for you. He did, he did, he did. And that's, that's, that's another technique of managing that a lot of people uh, are not hip to just yet. That's the real strong-arming way. Like Peter Grant and Led Zeppelin, he would get in there, but Saul is like Peter Grant and Led Zeppelin. He really is. Now, I was curious there, Kanan. Here you are traveling the world and stuff. Do you ever hear about the rascals? 
Yeah. Of course, I mean, people know the Rascals. You mean from Vancouver? Of course, they know them from in different, in odd places too, like in Colombia or something. They're loved. Because I think more than ever, people know the Rascals. Was DJ Chemo from the Rascals did the beat for Cardinals? It's true. He, Dangerous. That's right. And that was, I think, the biggest hit related to the Rascals, wasn't it? That's incredible. Like the Rascals have finally made it. <laughs> <laughs> the Rascals made it on the hit of uh, Cardi and Akon. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's what I meant. DJ Kimo, here he is doing the beats for the Rascals all these years, and finally he makes it. Vancouver's on the map. <laughs> you're killing me, man. No, but it's true, though, because all these years, you know, the Rascals have been jacked by Diddy, right? It's true. How were the Rascals jacked by Diddy? I love this. Well, they the, he they made this song, and then uh, he made the same song, and then his was a ma massive hit. And then you know what? Who else jacked them? Do you remember Keith Murray? They Barrington Levy? That's right. Well, they made a song uh, that was uh, their song, and then, and then Keith Murray had this thing, and then the same producer gave it to Keith Murray, and that became a big hit. So the Rascals have a long history of being jacked by, by other musicians. Well, what's great is they're back now. They've arrived and managed by Saul Guy. Thank you, Saul Guy. Thank you, Saul Guy. I appreciate it. Thank you for the uh, punches as well. Now, speaking of sampling and stuff, Kanan, you have a brand new hit called ABC. And on that particular hit, you have a sample that you do. What can you tell the people about Mulatu of Ethiopia? Mulatu is Mulatu Stetke, and he's an incredible jazz musician. His uh, great work was recorded in the 60s in Ethiopia. It, it got popular with the, the Ethiopiques uh, series, uh, which came out recently, but... East Africans know this stuff for a long time. And what's really neat about this record is check it out what it says, Ethiopian Airlines. That's who produced yeah, it. Yeah, isn't that awesome? <laughs> Why doesn't Canadian Airlines, what is it called? Can, not Canadian Airlines. Is it? Air Canada. Air Canada, my next album. Let's talk about this. What I was curious though, specifically, you sampled this for ABCs. There's a sample of this That's on ABCs, right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a song in here uh, that I took. Um, What's it called? Time something. It's a great song. And so the phrase was ba ba da 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 something like that. And I took ba da 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 ba da. That's what became ABCs. Thank you, Mulatu and Ethiopian Airlines. <laughs> Thank you, Ethiopian Airlines. But it doesn't stop there. You also reach back. And what can you tell us, Kanan, about these particular artists, these important artists from Africa? What can you tell the people about who do we have here? Well, Ali Fakatouri, you know who that is. He passed away not too long ago. Incredible Malayan guitarist. Um, who's that? Magul. Oh, my God. How did you find... No, you're kidding me. Yes, that's a Magool record. Who is Magool? My aunt. And she was the most famous singer of my country. And you've covered her too, right? On the piano. Yes. I saw that. That was amazing. What can you tell people about your aunt? That's incredible. Like, records are pretty rare in Africa, aren't they? People chuck them out, don't they, after they finish with them? I'm, I'm speechless. Where did you get this? Well, you're Canaan. We have to bring it on for Canaan, right? Ethiopian Airlines, they brought it over to me. <laughs> Look at what I'm holding. This guy is like wealth. I mean, yeah, my my aunt Magal. I mean, I, I, I did a I did a song. I covered her. Uh, yeah, she was a powerful woman and a powerful singer. This is incredible for me. I can, I've never seen a record of my aunt. I've only seen like tapes that people have recorded, and and, and this is crazy. Kenan, you also have a song called What's Hardcore. What's Hardcore? And I was thinking hardcore punk. Do you like punk rock? I do. What do you know about punk rock and Somalia? 
Well, uh, not, not much. There is a connection between punk rock and Somalia. Check this out right here. This is the band The X-Ray Specs from England. The X-Ray Specs. Famous, a 1977 band, famous for the song Oh Bondage Up Yours. <laughs> and the singer, Polly Styrene, her parents were from Somalia. You're kidding me. And these guys are founding fathers, female punk rock, 1977, out of England. Wow. So she has some Somalian blood in there. She wasn't born there, but still, she has some Somalian blood. Somalian punk rock, X-Ray Specs. Why don't people know that? I don't know. I think they do. I think it is out there. But I was just thinking, you should cover Oh Bondage up yours and the Fez Tones as well. Djibouti Call. Well, I have a lot to cover now, don't I? Well, there's so many great things out there. What artist stuff about Somalia that people might know? Like, people know about Aman, right? Aman the model? That's right. What's her connection, of course, David? Bowie. Can he help you out at all? I don't know. What can he do for me? I like him, but I don't know what he could do for me. Well, I was just wondering, you know, the Somalia connection or whatever. Maybe you could add some production credits. Maybe, but I, I actually know Iman. You we're, do? We're actually friends, and she said that uh, Bowie is a fan. Oh, that's really neat. Yes. Where did you meet Iman? Uh, was that in New York when you were the king in New York? You're the king in New York. You know everybody, right? Yes. She took me out a couple of times in New York when I was there just to do some concerts and stuff. Keenan, you also have the quote, quote, <clears throat> I take rappers on a field trip. You have the knowledge, don't you? I do. You have the books, don't you? I do. Now, can you tell me about the books? What, Kenan, is the importance of Eduardo Galeano? Who is Eduardo Galeano? He's an incredible writer from Uruguay, and um, he, uh, he uh, wrote books like uh, Open Veins of Latin America, um, a lot of great classics, and uh, well, wow. Uh, I love, uh, he's one of my favorite writers. There was another person I'd like you to tell the people about, Zadie Smith. Wow, White Teeth. And What's this book all about, Zadie Smith? She's, uh, she's a great writer. This young girl, uh, well, not that, she's like 30, I think. She's uh, from England, half Jamaican, half white. Incredible, she looks hot. And uh, there. And um, she, she wrote this book, and it's full of wit. It's just about immigrants in, in London. It's crazy. And lastly here, we have this gentleman. What can you tell the people about Nujuji? Oh, Thiongo. Wow. He's, he's a, a Kenyan writer. He's also a linguist. And uh, he wrote great books like uh, The Devil on the Cross. He wrote uh, uh, Decolonizing the Mind, Detained, a genius. And I think now he's teaching in uh, some university in the U.S., an African book, an African record. There's so much out there, isn't there? There is. I think a lot of people are now learning and fascinated with the country called Africa. And you're holding all this stuff so nicely, are you? Thank you for not throwing it down. No, no, I, I mean, I can't. This stuff is really, like, this is like stuff that was important to my life, is important to my life, going to be important to my life. That's great. Thanks for the props for the festoons. I love that. No, it's... Your booty call! Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da! <laughs> Kenan, you also have the lyric, quote, I was stabbed by... Satan. That's pretty heavy metal, isn't it? If, yeah, it is. It's awesome. What do you think about heavy metal? Heavy metal is great. Because I, yeah, I noticed Damien Marley, he opened up for Van Halen. He did. Have you opened up for any Van Halen gigs? Were you at that Van Halen gig? Have you played with any heavy metal bands? No, I haven't, but I did work with uh, Metallica's guitarist, Kirk Hammett. So we are getting some metal in there, then. That's right. Did you, what did you know him for? Before I, that, did you know him from Metallica? Yes, I know him from Metallica, but also from being considered one of the greatest guitarists of our time. 
Now, speaking of being on TV and stuff, because Metallica's been on TV quite a bit, when you're on a Jimmy Kimmel show, you're wearing an incredible red suit. Where'd you get that suit? <laughs> Somebody in L.A. was like, they, uh, there was a, there's this woman who I... Uh, I, I I saw there and she was like I know exactly what you, sh- wh- what you should wear and she had like three things and I, I tried it on and the craziest one was the, that, that suit and I thought that that would be the one I should wear did you keep it? Uh, I kept the pants I didn't keep the jacket oh damn can you hook me up with it? Maybe I could find you the jacket. Oh, I loved it. It was great. What size do you wear? Oh, probably triple X, because when I throw it in the washing machine, it'll shrink. You know, I like it big. You can't throw that in the washing machine. Well, maybe the dry cleaner then. It's been on Kimmel. It's been on Kimmel, worn by Canaan. Yeah, I'll throw it in the Hard Rock Cafe, something like that. In the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Now, I was also wondering, on the Kimmel show, who is your drummer, Canaan? Oh, Spanky. Because he was incredible. Right. Thank you for recognizing that. He's from Philadelphia. He's like the, like the rising star of Philly drummers. What's his background? Is he brand new? Well, no, well, he played with a lot of people. He played with Kanye and Common and so on, and I stole him. Was it hard to steal him? Like, how hard is it to steal from Common or Kanye? Well, if you're Kanan, it's not so hard. Baboom! <laughs> Now, Kanan, your dad, your family, he drove cab in New York City in the 1970s. Well, a little later, too, in the 80s. But still, that's pretty amazing. Who did he bump into? Who did he pick up? He must have some interesting fares, interesting rides. (laughs) I would imagine he he picked up some interesting people. He lived in Harlem. Did he have tell any stories of picking up any interesting people, any celebrities or anything like that? No, he didn't. He didn't tell me, but I mean, I'm sure there, there must have been something. But he did stop by the local record store. Yes, he did. And then bring it all home. He picked up an important album called uh, Paid in Full. By Eric B. and... Rakim. Kanan, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Oh, Nardwire is the greatest. Well, thanks so much, Kanan. Keep on rocking in the free world and do-do-do-do-do. Do-do. Shabooty